Well, hey, good morning. How's everyone doing? Good, good. Have you guys noticed it's getting a little darker in the mornings um, each and every day? Like I woke up to get ready for church and I'm like, man, I can't see outside yet. And that made me a little sad, um, but it's okay. Thank you for getting up early and fighting the darkness and getting to church. Uh, do me a favor. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Exodus 20. Uh, we're going to be in Exodus 20 this morning. And if you came to church and don't have a Bible or left yours in the car or at home, just raise your hand. We'd love to get a copy of God's Word into your hand. We're going to be in Exodus 20 this morning. And if you don't own a Bible, please keep that as our gift for you. We would love for you to keep that and be able to have a Bible. Um, and uh, again, just take that home with you. And uh, if you've been with us this fall, you know that we are kind of working our way through a really cool series. We are taking a one commandment at a time, working through the Ten Commandments. And uh, we've gotten through three. We're coming to number four this week, so we're almost at the halfway mark. And um, if you were with us last week, you'll remember that last week we were talking about, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And I started the message by saying that I am so excited to teach on the third commandment. It's so practical. There's so much that we've misunderstood about it. I think it's going to be life-changing and life-giving in so many ways. And I, I am so excited to teach this commandment. It's the one I was looking forward to the most. And I remind you of that because today I feel the exact opposite. All right, today is the commandment that I want to teach the least, and I have looked forward to the least because we are so bad at what I'm about to talk about that, that there, there's really no way to win potentially. So with that incredible sell job, let's look at Exodus 20, verse 8, and uh, let's look at the fourth commandment. Here's what it says. It says this. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy." All right, so we're talking about this idea of honoring the Sabbath day. And here's why I have some nervousness or some stress when I think about teaching this. It's because there's a worrying truth that is just real with American Christians. We have really messed this one up. All right, that's my, my first point is we have really messed up what it means to follow the fourth commandment. Do me a favor, turn to your neighbor and say you're the problem. It doesn't have to be about the Sabbath. You might just want to say that to whoever you're sitting with, so that's fine. Um, we have messed this up. And the thing that I'm worried about is no matter what I say, I could actually be making things worse for some, not better. And, and the truth is that this is a topic or an issue in the church that the church has never really been unified on or have gotten right. We've always struggled with the fourth commandment. Um, historically, people have fought about this commandment for centuries. You'll go to uh, theologians in the church. You'll read Martin Luther. Martin Luther will say, hey, if anyone tells you to set a day apart and to rest on it, I'll tell you to work on that day. 
He goes, the Sabbath isn't uh, uh, applicable. I don't honor it. It's not for Christians. Uh, John Calvin, right? John Calvin and Luther agreed on a lot of major things. Calvin's like, absolutely not. The Sabbath is to be set apart. It is holy. We are to honor it. There was major disagreement. If you read one confession in the early church, it will say, hey, the Sabbath is no longer applicable. If you read another confession, like written at the same time, it will say, no, it is absolutely applicable. Entire church denominations have split. Being like Christians have gotten so mad at each other, it's like, I can't even go to church with you anymore over this issue of do you honor the Sabbath? How you do you honor the Sabbath? It's been the source of a ton of conflict. And here's why. There's two reasons. Because the first reason is, is that we have a busyness problem. And the second reason is that we have a legalism problem. When it comes to the Sabbath, we're so quick to either fall into the busyness ditch where we neglect it because we don't have time for it, or we fall into the legalism ditch where this day of rest is so janked up with rules, it's lost the entire meaning. And so let's start with our busyness problem. And church, look at me. This is most of us. Most of us, I bet if you were honest with me, Most of you in your time this week, in your thoughts, in what you've talked about, you have not considered what does it look like to truly set a day apart for the Lord. Sabbath is not a part of your vocabulary. Maybe when you think of the Sabbath, it's like, I'm going to go to church if I can fit it in, but then I'm going on with life as normal for the rest of the day. We tend not to think or take too seriously, what does it mean to honor the Lord by giving him a day of rest? We're so locked into our schedule and our life and what we need to get done that we don't prioritize this commandment. It's an afterthought. Maybe it's a place that's kind of like, you know, retirement on the beach. I'd love to get there someday, but I don't think I'm ever actually going to get there, right, when it comes to Sabbath. Americans love busyness. We wear busyness like a warm blanket that shelters us and keeps us safe through the storm. Um, We as Americans, we believe in the equation that important people or successful people are busy people. Right, So if you want to appear like you're accomplishing things or successful, you have to talk about how busy you are. And then we also believe in FOMO, the fear of missing out. So we think that the way that you live the best, full, most beautiful life is you just have to have as many experiences as possible. So we're always chasing the next adventure, the next vacation, the next hobby. We, we think that life is the accumulation of events. Did you know that the CDC a few years ago announced that there's a sleep deprivation crisis in America? That we're too busy to sleep? And that some of the anxiety and mental health issues and stress that we feel can actually be attributed to the fact that we just don't sleep enough. Like if we got good night restful sleep consistently, some of those things would actually go away. And by the way, I'm part of the problem as well. I fall into this ditch all the time. Just on Tuesday, I was at um, the coffee shop in Grand Haven, probably because I didn't get enough sleep the night before. So I'm getting coffee and I run into a a friend that I hadn't seen in a couple months and I'm catching up with her and we're just having small talk. And guess what we instantly start talking about in small talk? How busy we are. It's like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm busy. It's like just what we naturally say. And it's like, here's my kid's schedule, and here's what's going on at church, and here's all the things that we have going on. It's like when we don't know what to talk about, we default into let's put on this facade 
that we're doing a lot in busy. Like it's a virtue in our society. So the truth is when it comes to the Sabbath, it's an idea that is so countercultural, so counterintuitive from what we've been told is important in our society. We just neglect it. Okay, but the other problem is just as bad. We also have a legalism problem. For some reason, when it comes to the Sabbath, it's like every legalist bone in our body rises right to the surface when it comes to talking about what does it mean to honor the Sabbath, right? And I'm like, all right, you should honor Sabbath. Instantly, your mind's like, well, what does that mean? What are the rules? What does that look like? And it's like, what day should it be? Should it be on Saturday when when the Jewish people honored the Sabbath? Or is it the Lord's Day, which is Sunday in the early church? Like churches have split over that one thing, right? What qualifies as work? What qualifies as rest? Do I have to take a nap on the Sabbath? Can I take a nap on the Sabbath? Or is that cheating somehow? Do I have to do this alone with just my family? Or can we have friends over? Can you have Sabbath with a football game on? Is that allowed? Or is that breaking the Sabbath? Do I have to stay at home? And like, there's just this thing where like, we lock into, like we get in rule mode. I remember I was talking with this week with one of the pastors on our staff. And he was like, yeah, when I was growing up, the Sabbath meant in our house, I wasn't allowed to wear jeans or play outside. And I'm like, I have no idea what that has to do with the Sabbath at all. It just locked into these kind of arbitrary rules. Um, Early on in our church, in like eight, nine years ago, there was a couple that was in small group with us. And and it was interesting because uh, the wife of that couple had come from a, a, a family that, or a family in a church that was very, very strict on their rules of keeping the Sabbath. You couldn't work. You couldn't do anything that caused anyone else to work. Like the Sabbath was a massive deal. And she married a guy who was a newer believer who didn't come from that background at all. And it raised insane amount of conflict in their marriage. Like I remember one time um, they came to small group and it was one of those small groups where as soon as they walked in the door, you're like, oh no, they're in trouble, right? Like you can just tell in their body language that they're mad. And and we start talking with them and um, the wife is like, My husband, I cannot believe what he did. He goes, last Sunday on the Sabbath, we went over and we had dinner with with my folks and on the way home, you know what he did? He stopped and he got gas in his car. He's working. That is work. He dishonored the Lord. He dishonored the Sabbath. And, And the guy was like, hey, honey, if I didn't get gas, we would be walking home. And I promise you that that's more work, right? And they were like, they both thought each other were crazy. The, the, the husband was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard of, all of these rules. And she's like, I married a heathen. <laughs> like this was the issue in their marriage. There, there's a legalist thing. And by the way, this is the exact fight Jesus always got in with the Pharisees. Do you know Jesus never once broke a Sabbath law? But he was always in conflict with the Pharisees because they'd set up so many other rules to make sure you couldn't get near breaking the law. And he would break those and they hated him for it. In Matthew 12, we read this story. It's talking about Jesus. It says, he went on from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? Right? So they're using this guy with a withered hand to set Jesus up. And he said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into the pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? 
Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him on how to destroy him. All right, there's a lot messed up with this story. Like the fact that the Pharisees would use a man with a deformity to take advantage of him, it's pretty messed up, isn't it? And they don't care about the guy. They don't care about healing him. They, they, they don't care about what, what he's going through. What they're saying is, is I want to use you as a prop to get Jesus, right? Jesus totally calls out their heart. He wins the argument like he always does. He heals the man. And then the response of the Pharisees is not to worship or celebrate the good that Jesus has done. They were so committed to their rules, they actually left and had a meeting being like, how can we kill this man? That's how ugly legalism can be when it takes root in our heart. All right, so here's what I want to do. I want to read the fourth commandment again. And what I'm going to stay away from this morning is the practical specifics of how your family honors the Sabbath. What I want to do is I want to do the best I can to engage your heart with the Lord's this morning. I want you to see what God is calling us to when he calls us to rest, why he's doing it, and how we can maybe respond today. So look at verse 8 again. It says this, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You, your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. All right, here's the big idea. It's this. It's how we order our lives communicates what we believe about God. Right? If last week it's that God cares about our words and how we talk about God, what he's saying this week is, is I also value your time. And how you order your life, how you spend your time actually reveals what you believe about God. He's saying in the way you order your life, in how you keep a schedule, in how you keep time, I want you to set aside a day a week that is designed for rest and worship. Do you know that our calendar is adopted from the Old Testament Jewish calendar? That there's no scientific reason that we measure time in weeks other than the fact that this is how God laid it out to us in Genesis and then in Exodus? He's saying, in the very order of how you live, I get a day. And what I want us to see is that God is inviting us into three specific things with calling us to a Sabbath day of rest. Here's the first. By calling us to honor the Sabbath, God is inviting us to remember rather than restrict. He's inviting us to remember rather than restrict. And I need you to hear me. God is not taking anything away from you by calling you to set aside a day and to worship and rest. He's not. God is not saying, man, you know what I want? I want my life to be harder for my followers than for everyone else. That's not what he's doing. He's not saying, I, I, I want everyone else to have a head start in the rat race of life, and I'm going to make it harder for my followers by saying there's one day you can't do work. He's not against you. He's actually very much for you, and, and this Sabbath day is a blessing that if we embrace and understand and lean into can actually transform our lives. 
God is seeking to reorient our hearts and help us remember what is best and what is most true. He's saying, stop your work, stop the grind, stop your daily pursuits, and remember what is true about your soul and your eternity. Here's some things that God's calling us to remember. You can throw up the next slide. Here's what it says. God's calling us to remember that we're not limitless. Like, think about creation. Have you ever thought it's weird that God created us in a way where in order for us to function properly, we need to sleep for eight to 10 hours a night? Like, you know, he didn't have to do that. Imagine how much more we could get done, how much more efficient we could be if we didn't have to sleep. But that's not how God created us. And I think there's a spiritual reason why he calls us to sleep. It's because it's a reminder every day that we aren't God. Right? Our natural disposition is to forget that God is God and we think that we are God. And it's like, here's what I can do and here's how I'm sovereign and here's all that's going on in my life. And it's like every day God's like, no, 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 no. If you go three days without sleeping, you're going to go to the hospital. You are limitless. You're not everywhere. You're not in control of everything. You're not all powerful. You're not all sovereign. You're actually dependent on me every single day. Guess what the Sabbath is? It's a break to rest and to remember that we are not in control, that we are not limitless, that we are not God, but that God is sovereign, he's creator, he's ruler, and we are designed to know him and worship him. Here's one. The Sabbath helps us remember that we are loved by God and that God is good. Like, think about this. God says, I get a day of your week. And then what does he call us to do on that day? He calls us to rest like something that's good for us. Like God didn't have to do that. He could have said, hey, I get a day of your week and you need to work double time. Hey, I get a day of your week and you've got to do these tasks and these projects and these missions that I call you to. Um, the Canaanite gods that would be in the promised land when Israel entered in, the way you showed your sincerity to the Canaanite gods is you would mutilate yourself. You would harm yourself, you would bleed, you would cause damage to yourself, and you would go days and days and days without sleeping or without eating, and it was all like, I've got to show you that I care enough. God's like, I don't want that for you. But when I call you to give me a day, I actually want you to slow down, to stop, to rest. Like, do you see God's heart in that, how good he is and how he is for us in this commandment? Here's one, we remember that God provides and is trustworthy. Like, can I ask you a question? Do you trust God enough to rest? Do you trust that if you take a day and honor the Lord, he's going to give you the success you need in these six other days to make up for the day you rested? Do you trust that he's good? Do you trust that he loves you? Do you trust that he is actually in control and he is the God of the harvest? that to know God and love God is the greatest joy in life, that God wants us to enjoy the fruits of our labor, right? In Ecclesiastes, Solomon says that one of the worst things that can happen to us is we can work hard and we can get everything that we wanted and yet not have the ability to enjoy it. And the Sabbath is a day where it's like, let's stop, let's rest, let's breathe, and let's enjoy together the blessings that God has given us. And for some reason, our hearts want to make the Sabbath about the things we can't do. And if when you think of the Sabbath, you're thinking about, here's what I'm not allowed to do, you've already got it wrong. What God is calling us into is something that is life-giving for our heart and something that we desperately need. It helps us reorient our life. Here's the second thing he's inviting us to. 
He's inviting us to be, in, to be intentional rather than scheduled. He wants us to be intentional rather than scheduled. When God calls us to take a day to stop our pursuits, whether that be school or work or sports or hobbies or activities, he's actually saying, what I want you to do is to be intentional with the relationships in your life that are the most important to you and matter the most. Did you know that in the Ten Commandments that the fourth commandment is the first commandment to involve other people? The other three commandments was simply about us and God. The rest of the commandments is going to be how we interact with others. And the fourth commandment also involves other people. So what he's saying is, is this isn't just for you, but it's for you and your kids and the people who live under your care and authority. All of you should stop, break, and rest together. That there would be today together as a family where there's nothing pulling you apart from one another, nothing scheduled, but that part of resting would be intentional with the relationships that matter most. So um, it's interesting. Um, We're coming up on our 12-year anniversary here at Harvest. And the way I remember how old our church is is because I have twin daughters who are 11. Right? They were born almost the exact same time as when our church was planted. And um, there's this thing that happened um, when you have young babies, and especially when you have twins. When they're like six months old, me and Mary are like, we're never going to sleep again in our lives, right? You're in this stage where it's like, this is how it's going to be for the rest of my life. It's never going to get any better. And I remember the church would always come to me, people would come to me, and they'd be like, hey, Cal, enjoy this. Enjoy this season because it's going to be over before you know it and time goes fast and you're not going to get to enjoy being able to hold and snuggle with your little ones forever. And I tell you what, now I have 11-year-olds who are middle schoolers and I'm starting to feel the burn of time. Like I've got seven more years with my little girls in my house and then they're going to go off to school or go off into their adult lives and it's like, man, I want time to slow down. It's like all these weird old people telling me to enjoy it, they were right. So think about how good God is. Do you think God knew that we would really want to enjoy the time with our families and that this is precious time that wouldn't last forever? So guess what he does? He schedules into our week. Hey, take a day, slow down, breathe, and invest in the relationships that matter most. Like I love on Sundays with my girls after we get home from church, it's like we can just talk together. We can sit on the couch. We can watch a movie together. We can go on a walk as a family. And it's like, man, there are so many things in our schedule and our life that pull us away from each other. But the Sabbath is meant to be a day that brings us together because God loves us and he wants us to pour into the relationships that are precious to us. All right, so here's what that means. Um, The Sabbath was never meant to be spent in isolation. Right? And I know some of you are looking at me thinking like, oh man, I'm so excited to Sabbath because there's this new Netflix show that I want to binge all by myself. So I'm going to go in my room and watch it for the next eight hours and call it a Sabbath. You're missing it. That ain't it. Right? Sabbath is to be done communally with those in your life who are close to you. God is caring for us enough to say, I don't want you just to set aside time for me, but also for one another so that your relationships might be strong and grow. Okay, here's the third thing he says. He's inviting us to worship God rather than ourselves. 
He's inviting us to worship God rather than ourselves. And and here's the truth. If you look in Scripture, one of the things that is true both of the Jewish followers of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament church is that part of the Sabbath was gathering together in God's house with God's family to worship the name of God. Worship was always an intended part of the Sabbath. And one of the things I will say is um, this is something that my parents and my grandparents' generation were way better at than our generation. Let me explain. Like when I grew up, um, Sunday was for church. And I grew up and I'd get to church usually between 7 and 7.30 in the morning because they had choir practice before church. Then you would have the 9 o'clock service and then you would have Sunday school. Then you would go home and you would crash for a few hours and then you'd come back for Sunday night church, right? Like how many of you grew up with Sunday night church, right? Yeah, a, a, a lot of us did. Like it was a thing. Like you went to church and we were there every week unless you were sick or like the one or two weeks we were on vacation. Every week, multiple services, that's what happened on Sundays. And by the way, my folks weren't the weirdos. They were the normal ones. Like that's what everyone did. You came to church in the morning. You came to church at night. The Sabbath was for the Lord. Do you know how much things have changed in the last 30 years? Things have changed so much that now, nationally, when they talk about church membership and church attendance, uh, you qualify as a regular attender of a church if you come to one service three out of every eight weekends. If you attend less than 50% of the time, you still count as a regular church attender. That's how lax church attendance has gotten. It's completely different. And I think one of the reasons for this is we live in a culture where basically whatever we want is delivered straight to us. Like, do you know how hard it is to explain to my kids that I used to go to a box store where I would go rent a movie and then bring it home and have to watch it in a VCR? They're like, what are you talking about, dad? That sounds awful. I'm like, it was awful. Um, It's called Blockbuster. And, uh, like, like, no, if we just want to watch something, we stream it right to our TV. Like, and by the way, some of this is good. Like, I just want you to know, I'm never going to a movie theater ever again. COVID killed movie theaters for me, and, and here's why. Why would I go out to a dirty movie theater with a bunch of people I don't know when I can watch something in the comfort of my own living room, right? I remember this summer when Top Gun came out, all my friends were like, dude, Cal, you have to go see that in the theater. The planes are so loud. The sound's amazing. You can't not see it in the theater. And I didn't go see it in the theater, and I watched it at home, and I loved it, and it was amazing. And it's like, I'm never going to a theater again, right? Like, some of it's good. That might just be me. If you're a movie theater guy, I'm sorry. Um, Hang out with Pastor Taylor. He goes to movies by himself all the time. It's weird, but it's what he does. Food. Right? Why go out to a restaurant when I can just have food ordered in? Why go to the grocery store when I can have it shipped to my house? Why go clothes shopping? I can order it online. And here's the truth. We don't value gathering corporately really in any fashion like we used to. But church, look at me. God does. In Hebrews 10, it says, um, Do not neglect meeting together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Here's the question I want to ask you, I need you to wrestle with. Who does the pattern of your life declare is king? 
right? Remember the big idea that how we order our life communicates what we believe about God? What does your calendar say about what is king in your life and what is ultimate? And my fear is, is a lot of us would say, no, Jesus is king, and, and I love Jesus, but practically, soccer is king. Right, I, I, I love Jesus, but in the summer, it's the cottage that's king, or it's the boat that's king, or, or it's this hobby that's king. Right, God's saying, I get a day, and I want God's people in God's house worshiping me. That's important to him. Okay, here's the other thing I want you to see about the Sabbath that's so beautiful, it's this. It's that the Sabbath leads our hearts directly to Jesus. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, not until, or until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So Jesus is saying, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. In church, out of all 10 of the commandments, it's the Sabbath that we can most clearly see how Jesus absolutely fulfills this for us. God calls us to rest from our work because the gospel tells us that our souls have found their rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We don't have to work. We don't have to earn. We can rest because everything we need to be accepted by God, to be known by God, to be loved by God, Jesus accomplished in his life and death on our behalf. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm lonely at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't it amazing that when God created the world, on the seventh day, he ends by calling us to rest. And then when his son, the Messiah, the savior of the world comes to do the thing that no one else could do, guess what he says? If you follow me, I'm going to lead you to rest. God's desire is that our hearts and our souls and our identity would find their rest in him. Listen, look at me. No one walks in here this morning in a deficit with God that they've got to work their way out of because Jesus paid for our sin. We have forgiveness. We can have right relationship with God right now without any straining or effort or work on our part because Jesus did it all. Amen? The Sabbath finds its purpose and hope and ultimate rest in Jesus. So listen, the Sabbath is a weekly reminder that our hearts can rest in Jesus just like we can physically rest on the Lord's day. We get to sit in the completed work of Jesus. So I had a problem this week as I was writing this message. Um, I had two big ideas, and I didn't know which one to choose. And then this thought occurred to me, like, wait, I've got the mic, I've got the power. So I just, I'm going to go with two big ideas this week, all right? So as we transition to the close, I actually have another big idea, and it's this. It's that as Christians, the rhythm of our lives should look different than those around us. Okay, I'm trying to get to our hearts right now, and here's what I'm getting at, that if we actually take a day to rest and honor the Sabbath, it's an incredible opportunity to have a witness to our neighbors and those in our life who don't know the Lord. Right? Think about the natural tendency of man right now. It's, I just want to pursue my own ends. 
right? So I have my job that I work, but I also have my side hustle that I'm going to pursue when I'm not working. And then the weekends, I want to pursue sports. I want to pursue my adventures. I want to pursue my vacations. I want to pursue my kids. Every day we wake up and it's me, 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 me. What are my pursuits? But when we as Christians say, no, 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 no. There's something greater than us. And we're going to set aside a day for the thing that is ultimate and best. And we're going to do that by resting and enjoying the blessings that God has given us. What we're communicating is is that our life is attached to something greater than ourselves. The very thing that we are looking for when we try to make ourselves God. We can have a massive witness to our friends, family, and neighbors when we honor the Sabbath so as we get ready to close, I, I, what I want to do, and again, I want to stay away from rules here, but what I want to talk is how do we honor the Sabbath practically? I don't think I'd be doing you a service if I said, hey, we've got to take the Sabbath seriously, but never talked about what do we practically need to think about when it comes to taking a Sabbath. So I've got three practical steps that can help us honor the Sabbath. Here they are. If we're going to honor the Sabbath, we need to prioritize it. We need to plan for it. And we need to participate in it. All right, the first is prioritize. Um, give me your eyes for a second. Here's what I can promise you. None of us are too busy for the things we prioritize. We end up doing the things that we want to do the most. And here's what I'm hoping this message does, if nothing else. I'm hoping it causes your family to have a conversation. Do we prioritize giving a day to the Lord? What does that look like? I hope maybe in small group or on the ride home, you actually wrestle with the question, what does my calendar say about who is king? Are we honoring God in this? Are we thinking about this? Are we wrestling with this? Or are we just pushing it out of our mind? Are we prioritizing this as a family? And then what does it mean for us to prioritize it? The second thing is, is you have to plan, right? If you're going to set aside a day to worship and rest, here's what that means. It means if you have kids, Homework needs to get done on Friday night or Saturday night, right? If it's going to be a day of rest, the house project or the little extra thing you've got to get done at the office, you've got to move that to Friday or Saturday. But I remember as a youth pastor, it would be so frustrating when youth group would be rolling around and an hour before a kid would be like, oh man, I wanted to come to youth group. I just didn't get my homework done. It's like, no, you didn't want to come to youth group. You made a choice of what you were prioritizing this weekend, right? You've got to plan for it. So here's what that means. If you want to, on a Sabbath, to not have to cook a meal for your family while the rest of the family is resting, make a little bit more Saturday night so you can have leftovers. If you want to make a meal together, and that's fun, and that's not work, but that is restful, then do that together on, on Sunday. Like, I don't care. The, the, the point is, though, is we've got to think and plan. I was talking with a family in our small group last night, and they say what they do is, is every Sunday night, after their Sabbath is over, they have a meeting, and they just talk through, what do we want the next one to look like? So they can start to plan and, and make sure they're on the same page. And then the third one might be the hard, hardest. You actually have to do it. You have to participate in it. You have to turn off the phone. You have to put down the emails. You have to engage with your family. Um, it was really, really cool. And I think God's timing was for sure um, sovereign in this. But uh, just last week, so I had gotten home from church. I preached in the morning services and I got home and I just kind of hung out with the couch on the kids. We watched the Bears lose a football game. Um, but we just talked and hung out and, and spent time together. And, and then that night, 
we went over to some of our best friend's house and um, we all made dinner together. They have kids the same age as our kids and we had a bonfire in their house. And the kids were out running in the yard playing. You could hear them giggling and laughing. I don't know if you remember last uh, Sunday afternoon, but it was like perfect Michigan fall weather. It was like sunny and like 58 degrees and we were sitting in the shade and, and the sun was starting to go down and we were just talking about the Lord and just talking about nothing and just enjoying each other's company. And Mary looked at me and she was like, Cal, I think this is the exact feeling God intended for us when he gave us the Sabbath. He's like, I'm enjoying God's creation with my family, with dear friends, enjoying the things that the Lord has done in our lives. And it's like, this is such a beautiful thing. And it's like, when I think of that picture, it's like, man, I wish every day was like that. And that's what I think the point of the Sabbath is. It should be something we look forward to where it's like, man, God is good and he cares for us and he loves us and he wants to bless us. And so when we lean into giving him a day, I think you're going to experience a nearness to God and blessing in your life that you're gonna say, man, I wish I would have done this way sooner. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for uh, this morning. I thank you for uh, a difficult commandment. God, I thank you for conviction. And uh, God, I just pray that your spirit would fill in the gaps where I might have fallen short or maybe wasn't clear enough. But God, I just pray that you work in our hearts, that this would be something that we take seriously, that we would desire to honor you with our time. God, we love you. I'm thankful for a church that takes seriously the gathering together of worship. God, you're so good. You've given us so much. And I just love that when you call us to something, it's something that is for our good. And we see that so clearly. Thank you that our souls have found their rest in Jesus. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.